Yes, sir, indeed it. I'm back, I'm back in full effect. This is season two of Sacramental Illness. It's your boy and your host, Ryan Smith. And today's episode is a special one. Man, I'm thrilled for this one. Got a great friend, my buddy. The one and only Mr. Clint Mooney is here for my special guest. What's, What's up, Clint? How's it going? What's up, Ryan? Thanks for having me on, man. Man, this is a this true, is an honor. I'm a true fan, dude. I can't, you know, like I've been listening to first season of podcast. You know, you're the first podcast I ever pick up. So, you know, shout out to you for being my first. And here I am. I think, by the way, season two. Yes, sir. I'm told <laughs> by a certain someone who knows a little bit about Second Mental Illness podcast that uh, I'm the first uh, guest host. Yeah, first, first guest host. So. You're the first guest host for season two, so I had to make it right, make it special. So I'm glad to have you on here. Uh huh. It feels good, man. We sitting out here on the the side porch too. Yeah, I'm chilling at the Mooney Mansion right here. So folks, if you hear a lot of bit of noise and trees, we're chilling outside, getting some fresh air. With all the crazy crazy madness going on in the world, it's best to real talk. Have a great special deep conversation about everything letting all out letting all loose mm-hmm. so mr clint yes sir so tell me when you hear the words physical and mental challenges of life what pops in your you know your mind you just had to start off with that question yeah i had to i that- did already yeah man <laughs> when you asked me to be a, a guest host and like that actually had me thinking you know i'm on a podcast so the people that are listening to us can't see me you know right. so it's like say we were standing together and like someone could actually see you right. and they see me yeah they're gonna look at you look at us and say that person definitely has a physical disability you know true now i'm here on this podcast all they can do is hear me they can't see you. They don't know anything about me, you no. know? And so it's crazy. Like, I could really be whoever I want to be, you know? I'm, right. I'm a D1 cross-country runner, um, you know? Just, like, that. that's that's who I am, yeah. you know? But I'm also in a wheelchair. So, like, I, you know, I've, I've lived a lot of different lives, and I don't know. It's just crazy just to think, you know, how you can hear someone and see someone, and that just changes your whole perception. So, I don't know. I was just thinking about that when I was getting on this podcast. Well, I think for me, I always go by the saying, never judge a book by its cover. And what I mean by that is, like you just said, they can hear you, but they don't know what you've been through. They don't know the many ups and downs you've been through. It's the same as me. Like, they can hear my voice on the podcast, but if they don't actually meet me in person, they don't know. Yeah. They can hear it, but they don't really know. So yeah. you said that, unfortunately, you you, you live many different lives. Great so lives, you would yeah. like to share your different aspects of where this journey has taken you from then to where you're at now. Yeah, so for those of you guys who don't know me, uh, name's Clint. Um, uh, gosh, man, I moved out here to... Uh, out here with Ryan Smith. I don't know if you say location on podcast yet, so I'm not gonna say, not gonna drop the the deets on that. But we out here and uh, we met about gosh, man. After it was after we graduated. When yeah, we 2000. First well, I first met you in 2010. Yeah. I first met you in 2010. That's right. So final nine graduated. 
Wait, you 08? 08, 2008. 08, that's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, coming out here and living was just the best thing that could ever happen to me. I got to meet a bunch of awesome people, and I got to build up a relationship with the community. It's kind of a small, rural area that we live in. Just, and, and by the way, you can't miss a work yet. I can? Yeah. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if you ever played the game Facebook, then you've heard of where Clint's from. It's uh, Farmville, okay? I live out in Farmville, Virginia. Farm Vegas. Farm Vegas, man, the 434. But, uh, yeah, we graduated from Prince Edward. Let's go. Eagle Eagles. Nations. Yes, uh -huh. sir. Eagle Nation. But, um, no, so, like, moving out here was a great experience, and it was a tight-knit community, and that's what really helped me uh, persevere and go through what I went through, um, which would have was a car accident. So, growing up, man, I was an active kid, always running around. Um, in fact, uh, running is what got me into college. I was a, a good long-distance runner. Not the best, but, I mean, good enough to give me... Who are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there's still Bernard Red, if he ever listens. I know he beat me on a mile running sub-450, but, um, you know, so it, it got me to college and had it running not been a... a big aspect and part of my life I probably would have tried joining the military or something like that mm. um, and you know went a whole different route because school was not my best uh, I bad. I hate school too. I yeah well I wasn't you know I wasn't really studious never really sat down and read books um, and you probably can tell by the way you know my English is <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um I don't know so that's what got me into college of running and then uh, my freshman year I ended up uh, having a car accident where I rolled a vehicle. I uh, was a .08 BAC at that time, which, um, so alcohol was a factor. I also wasn't wearing a seatbelt, so um, some people argue that if I was wearing my seatbelt, I wouldn't be in the situation, and I argue that if I uh, was wearing my seatbelt, I'd probably be dead, um, just from how the roof would have collapsed and everything. But I flipped a truck, and I was uh, ejected, and. Gosh, that was the first time I ever broke a bone, man. Never had a physical disability before that. And, you know, I never really ever, ever considered physical disability. Like, I didn't know people in wheelchairs. I, I didn't look down on them or anything. I didn't judge them. But I just, I guess, I like, I never saw them. I never thought right. about them. You know, like, gotcha. that wasn't even a factor. Um, so, but then... Anyway, uh, I ended up breaking... Let's go through this list real quick. I'll try not to take up too much of the podcast time. Oh, no. Like I said, we got plenty of time. We yeah. got plenty of time. So, yeah. world aid. Um, we'll start from the top and then work our way to the bottom. Um, I broke my orbital, which is my eye bone. Um, I think that's the right way to pronounce it. I broke the my jaw, which I have titanium in my jaw. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of feel it, too, right there. But So, basically, you was living like Kanye. Like through the wire. Yeah. Man, I know, tell me what. Man, I couldn't drink for nothing. Like, I was through the wire. Wow. That was a fun song to play when uh, in the hospital. But, yeah, my jaw was wired shut for about a month or so. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the jaw was broken. Broke the C2 on my neck, which was, if any of y'all know Superman, I think that was one higher than him. Luckily, that didn't touch my spinal cord, so I lucked out there. Um, uh, broke broke both collarbones which people always laugh at me when I sneeze but you know you don't realize when you're in a hospital and you know you gotta sneeze in the hospital 
you got a neck brace on supporting your uh, broken neck, right. and you got two broken collarbones. So every time you sneeze, you would chew, and it oh, I just I just remember it crushing my collarbone. So I sneeze like a little girl now. So people make fun of me for that. But um, both collarbones, uh, six ribs. I shattered the humerus, which is the arm bone. Um, and they had to kind of rebuild my elbow, so I got three titanium plates. Well, two, they had to take one out. Um, and then I broke my back, uh, lacerated liver, collapsed lung, coma for a week and all. But um, So I put my parents through heck, man. I was, gosh. That's a lot. That's yeah. a, see, that, that in itself, what you just named, that in itself, that is the physical side along with the mental side. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Because you just named all the physical challenges you had to go through. Like, you just named, like, I can't even imagine having my mouth wired shut for a month. Can't talk. Can't communicate. You can't drink water. You can't drink. You can do nothing. Yeah. It's like you're wired shut. So I can imagine. I can't even imagine. Because that's the light in the sub. Just thinking about it right now. Just thinking about what you had to go through as far as the physical yeah i wasn't even worried about like being paralyzed all i wanted was some water i was so thirsty wow i was thirsty i remember that but you're also uh so drugged up gotcha which was another thing that in the hospital they don't tell you about it's like you'd be going crazy sometimes man just seeing things yeah so i saw a lot of things man um on the 10th floor like i could look out my window and see people it was weird Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought the nurses were messing with me and stuff and, like, uh, tying me down and, like, putting stuff on my face. Um, but really, they were just, like, sticking, like, tubes and stuff up my nose and all, and I was just trying to pull it out, so I, I was tied up and everything. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, freaking out, man. I remember that. That was a, a scary moment. And I told my sister all that, and she, big sister, was there to protect me. She believed <laughs> me, of course. Yeah, so. Yeah. So, tell me what... What was the process like when you finally came out of your coma and reality started to really set in? I know that had to been difficult. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the first time I've ever seen my father cry. Um, so that was, that was a tough one. And knowing that it was all my fault, too. But So I think that's the difference between me and a lot of other people is a lot, a lot of people get a physical disability and it's not their fault, you know, like, it could have been something that happened to them, um, and I can see, uh, living life with a really, really negative outlook just from, like, it, like, why does this happen to me, you know, and, like, whereas me, I was like, uh, you did this to yourself, you gotta live with it, you better, like, you know, overcome, like, can't see dad cry no more, you know? Yeah. Can't see mama cry no more, like, and you remember in, earlier in the podcast, I was talking about Farmville and Prince Edward and the community and the support. Well, that's um, that was another thing uh, that was like a big boost behind my back and just patting me on the back. Because when I came out of my coma, I had, gosh, probably like 300 some Facebook friend requests and just like... Uh, cards all over and just love and support just pouring in from from everywhere you know and uh, you know then I'm, I'm I remember w- uh, my sister clicking through it because I couldn't move my arm is hanging because it couldn't be operated on it was broken gotcha. so they just had to keep draining fluids out and they're still 
operating on other broken bones. This was like a, a month in, you know, so like I couldn't really do anything uh, with any of my arms. And so she had to click through and she was like, Clint Mooney stronger than ever. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but Clint Mooney stronger than ever. Like, that sounds pretty sweet to me. You want to explain that to the people? Okay, so you put it on me now. I mean, this is, this is kind of <laughs> how you started. Uh, well, for me, okay, trying to rewind back, 2009. Um, I heard about your accident in October. Um, I didn't know who you were at the time, but at the time, I was devastated. I'm like, I known that you was a heck of, you know, an athlete. Mm-hmm. You love to run, and I started to hear about your accident. It really, it moved me in a way that was like. Okay, I know he's sitting in the hospital probably going through a lot of pain. Let's just try to do something to bring some kind of, I would say, smooth. Hmm. I would say at least try to ease the tension in a good way. So I was at home. Just like communicate with me from far away. I was just at home and I would say, okay, you know, why not try to curate something but see, 2008, I was just getting on Facebook. I mean, on Facebook, so. Yeah. Facebook, so I was like, okay, let's try to do something different. So, I was like, why not create a page that he will, you know, appreciate and would like? So, when I started to create the page, I was like, well, at the time, I didn't even know if he was going to actually gonna like it. Or even was going to even see it. Yeah. So, I was like, you know. I think the first part was trying to figure out the name. I'm like, okay, Clint, Mooney, Stronger. I was like, eh. Then I said, you know what? Let's add the Clint Mooney Stronger than ever. And when I did that, I you know, invited people to like the page. And I didn't expect the page to turn out the way that it did. But when it did, I was like, okay, I don't know if he's going to see it. I don't know if his family's going to see it. But let's just try to do something that's going to be, you know, positive and hopefully be motivating him you know come you can only imagine somebody when you go through a traumatic experience like that a car accident where it changes your life in a split of a second and um what words did you use to motivate me whose words hmm all that poetry in there ah let's see (laughs) well the reason why I decided really to create the page, the group, because I said, okay, this guy could have easily said, you know what, there's no point of me even trying to live my life the way I choose from now and will live negatively, but you did the opposite. So I said, okay, let's create this page. And then it started selling like the wristbands. I still got mine to this day. And I was yeah. like, I was like, okay, let's just see. I didn't even know that you even. I didn't know that you knew about the page. To be honest with you, I'm just finding like this out. I had no idea. Yeah. I thought that okay, maybe he may see it. No, first thing, see it. Son, first thing. So yeah. And people use that like for uh, pictures and everything. And then you like, not only did he create this group for me, and then you know, all right, Clint's back home. That bye bye, <laughs> you know. He still is posting on this Facebook group to this day. Yeah, like, I just clicked on it like a few days ago and I saw it. So, I mean, it's it's like uh, continued support. 
Yeah, but like I said, you don't. When a person gets better and starts to recover, you don't stop what you did. Because to me, if you do that, it's not genuine. It's like, eh, I just did it. Eh, he's better. I'll stop it. Yeah. I ain't worried about it. I deleted it. I'm talking about we talking in person, though. So, you know, yeah. you, you can cut back if you want. You tell me in person everything now. <laughs> but, but, and see, that's the thing, though. Like, you know, I, I didn't go through my physical disability by myself. Um, and that's what got helped get me through it is the support from friends like you you know and so it, was a, it meant a lot for me yeah. uh don't stop don't stop clint keep going you know and then someone next thing i know is donating me a hand cycle so it's like i'm running again but in a hand cycle it's you know so yeah like things changed but i don't know not really that's a good thing because i always wanted to ask you did you ever reach that low bottom feeling low bottom feeling man I I guess you could say so when I was alone in the hospital you know by myself and didn't have anyone there which was probably that didn't happen until later in life because I was in the hospital for like four or five months um, from Richmond uh, all the way up to Kennedy Krieger John Hopkins uh, in Baltimore right you know and then once I put that distance between Farmville uh, I put myself between um, in Baltimore, uh, distanced myself from my family, so I kind of stopped seeing people less. But I don't know. That's probably the only time I would get, you know, maybe uh, I would get depressed, um, just because I didn't I didn't have to hide anything, you know. Right. Like when my family was there, like if I would have handled things differently and not been like kind of joking about it or you know so optimistic about it and you know just planning yeah, the next step up. yeah I had that shield up you know and so maybe that probably affected me later in life um as far as like with depression you know especially going through college because I don't care what you suffer with physical mental college is probably one of the toughest times of your life it's also one of the most enjoyable times of your life so don't be scared yeah, of it you but can be yeah your pros and cons with it. yeah but like i mean you find out who you are and you you know you figure out what you're going to be and what you do with your life so college was just scary for that aspect because i had everything figured out going into it i was going to be a conservation police officer which they called them game wardens back then you know and i was i was going to be game warden and uh then after my accident, you know, I was paralyzed. I kind of had to think of something else to do. And luckily, I was still able to get reaccepted back into Longwood a year later. Um, and I just was undeclared for a while and then took business. But, uh, like, with the support of everyone pushing me, like, I don't know. It was That was scary just because I hated business. And, you know, so co college is a, a difficult time. But... So going through physical disability, yeah, like there were some dark times, but gosh, man, as soon as I got home, you know, you remember Craig? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Craig Kite, um, number seven, Prince Edward, soccer yeah. team, like yeah. Shipchenko, whatever you want to, you yeah. know. And trust me, I'm sure he's up smiling. Yeah. With the bright sun right now. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's only fitting that um, I think we include him in this podcast, at least, because if we're going to talk about mental illness depression is probably one of the biggest ones yeah. um, that a lot of people suffer with and uh, 
you know, losing my legs was nothing compared to losing that, losing him yeah. as a best, uh, I didn't lose him as a best friend, but like, you know, him passing away. Yeah, that was a big um, blow. That was a big blow to everybody. Because yeah. Craig was one of those people that he could walk in a room and immediately he'd be friends with, with everybody. Yeah. In an instant. Yeah. He didn't have no mean bone in, in his body. Not he was at the all. first person I met, you know, like That's on a school bus. So, yeah, he was, he was a good guy. And, um, you know, so that was a tough one. Losing the, someone close is always tough. Yeah, always. Definitely, definitely, definitely. It definitely can put you into that mind, that state of mind, like the same questions, like why him? Why does this happen? Why is this happening? You start asking those questions, you start becoming angry, yeah, then sad, then it leaves you in a whole another, another spin. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think you know, there's a reason for everything, and you know, yeah. when young people pass away, I like to think of it as like. Well, you know, it's almost like they graduated high school. Like, they're graduating mm. from life to life eternal. Like, yeah. you did it quicker than everyone else. Good, good job. Yeah, yeah I, never, I never looked at it, you know, I'll like be here till I'm 90. Because a lot of people, I mean, they they have, you know, I say transform real real quicker than they're supposed to. So, I've, yeah, I've lost a lot of people younger than me. I guess when a great friend of mine, Dante Wilson, passed in 2010, that was a blow. Because, like I said, he was another one that it hit everybody hardly came out the blue. Was so that it was the like, canoe? yeah, Man. yeah, yeah, and that came out the blue. Yeah. And, um, when I heard about his passing, it was just it was it was a blow. Everybody, I went to his funeral at the you know the high school, and uh, mm. it was packed, and it was just an emotional day. But that just shows you how the impact that he had. And he was the one the reason why I got his face tattooed on my my arm. So yeah, when you lose somebody that young, that had so much promise, it it wakes you up. Yeah. It wakes you up. It makes you think. No, and it just kind of makes you like, hey, like you got one life, like I'm all. Yeah. Cause I had, I mean, I had those angry feelings. I was like, man, like what the, like really, like I was angry, like what the fuck happened. Why did it happen? And I was angry. I was angry. When I mean, you see people have passed that's younger than you, that you used to go to school with, that you know, mm -hmm. it definitely makes you angry. Just like, God damn it, really? Yeah. That man, like, if I was with him, I, that probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah, you start asking stuff like, damn, could I have done something different? If I would have been there, yeah. could it have been different? So, I mean, it's, yeah, I guess when a person dies young and unexpected, it does, I will say it will harden you. And it mean it hardens you. I think it does. Yeah. I mean, I think we we know some some friends that suffer from really close losses and stuff like that. Too, yeah. So. And it can have a dramatic effect. Yeah. I hope uh, you uh, interview some 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 more of uh, the Prince Edward to find final nine class because there's some people that I think uh, would be great for the podcast world to hear, you know. Yeah, I mean, cause I me mean, for me, it's like when I started this podcast. It's, when I say sacramental illness, it's like it's not a negative thing; it's a positive thing. Cause back years ago, decades ago, people wasn't talking about it. They'll say those, you know, the the cliche, ah, uh, be tough guy, be a tough girl, you can handle it. 
You can't be weak, can't show no emotion, you can't say you're hurting, you can't say this. Now it's like, no, it's good to say, you know what, today's not my, you know, my day, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. One of them days I need to be by myself. So I mean, for me, man, I've dealt with that. I've dealt with that. And 31 years, it was, I can honestly say that, <laughs> it was a pain. It was a pain, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Not at all. Not at all. Definitely wasn't easy. Some people uh, probably resort to drinking and stuff. Yeah, some people do. Some people turn. But I think for me, I I guess God was watching. I never turned to that. I never turned to alcohol. I never turned to drugs. I was just I just kept swallowing it. Like you know what? Another thing I deal with it. But that, in a way, that hurted me because it made me angry. Yeah. I became an angry person and it started to show. When do you think you started showing that you were angry? School. Oh, uh, like, school? Okay. High school. School. I just I, remember you as a quiet. Nah. Know? I was, when I say I was, people don't know this, but I'm pretty sure a guy, he knows his story. <laughs> I'm more, so, Melvin Wiley, if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> he, he, can, he can actually, he can, this is proof. One day we were chilling in my auto service class, Mr. Weaver class, shout Woo-hoo. out to Mr. Weaver. And we was going back and forth, you know, just talking. And it was one of them days I wasn't feeling it. And he said something, I couldn't remember the conversation. I was like, you know what? I got something for you. So the next day, and I came to school, and I was literally, I was walking around with a backpack and I had a long machete. Oh. And my book bag, I was carrying it. You about to blaze a path, huh? I was carrying it. And one day he said something to me and I stood up. Weaver? And Weaver's class. Because see, you know, Weaver's class, you had your, your clique that was chilling out in the classroom. And the other playing one was cars. chilling out. Yeah, playing cars. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like shooting shit. Stuff like that. Okay. I'm a beast at spades. <laughs> so, he said, I started cool. So I got up and I pulled it out. And everybody was like, oh shit. And I'm like, you ever say some shit to me like this again, it's over. Ever since then, I guess that put everybody's minds like, oh, he's not to be fucked with. I just pulled it out. Yeah. And I stood up. <laughs> and I walked and I walked up to him. And I put it right under, underneath his neck. And I don't know Who how. Who is this? Melvin Wiley. Oh, gosh. And I don't know how in the heck I did not get caught with that. And you think he's going to listen to this podcast? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he will. <laughs> okay. Uh, y'all tight now, then. I'm pretty sure he will. Yeah, I mean. Because we joke about it all the time. To this day, he walked to me like, you know what? You put that machete. I said, yeah, I remember. Because like, I was just that in that. rusty, dusty machete. Yeah, I was just in that state. I was just in that that dark place where I just was angry. Yeah. I, You're on the edge, man. Yeah, I didn't. That wasn't me. I had that shield up. And hell, I was even voted class grouch. I don't remember that. In my class, my class voted uh, me class grouch. You were and, in your head, so. And I at the time I found it funny, it was like, thought about it now it was like that wasn't me I'm not a mean guy but I was in a dark place yeah that's dark I guess when you grow up you dealt with so many challenges and so much crap and when you bottle it up and don't talk about it you hold it in that does nothing but hurt you yeah that hurts you and, and that's when it like support you know yeah. like you, you're not you can't do it alone really yeah 
Like, you but, need to have someone to talk to. Yeah, I mean, but, like I said, for me, when you grow up, you know, at the time, I was raised by, you know, my mom, my grandmother, you know, my sister was there. I didn't know my dad as much. I didn't really meet my dad so I was eight, seven. Yeah. So, yeah, this male figure come in your life, and he's like, I don't know this guy. But when he comes in your life, everything is great. Then, next thing you know, he just gone. Now I was age nine. And that was going on. I was like, okay, I don't have no male figure in my life. Then school comes along and being, I would say, sexually abused by a sub-teacher, that fucked my head up. Yeah? That fucked my head up. I think that was in season one or... Yeah, I talked about season one, that fucked my head up. I really didn't go in direct detail like how you feel like somebody is holding you but you can't move like you're trying to and it was just yeah that fucked me up mentally it fucked me up and it happened more than once but not by the same person but another time it was a different guy and it just traumatically it puts a scar on you where you can't really it doesn't go away yeah, especially at that age. Yeah, at that age. It's a scar. It's a permanent scar. And you started, you start questioning everything. Everything you start questioning. Everything. Like all social interactions or? Yup, I just cut off. Yeah. I cut off. I just started isolating and um, it was hell. It wasn't easy. That easy. Definitely was a pain. Definitely something to deal with. And I tried to, didn't tell anybody. I didn't, just told my mom last month about it before, you know, the first time over. Yeah. So I kept that in for 31 years. You know, I didn't I tell, I didn't tell her. I bet she would have done some damage to somebody. She was like, I didn't know that. I was like, yeah. Because, you know, you start feeling, as a child, you start, okay, if I tell somebody about this, number one, you're going to think that they're not going to believe you. Yeah. Be like, nah, that didn't happen. Maybe they was just joking. Be like, no, this shit really happened. Then you start doubting yourself. You start blaming yourself. Was it me? It's my fault. All that starts popping in your head. Like, did I bring this on to myself type questions? Yep. Yeah. You know, like, and I think there's a time in, like, in a, in your life, like, where you become a man and then that question where you're like did I bring this on to myself like yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. yeah you're an adult yes you did but when you're younger uh like no like no you did not like yeah. you're you're learning you're expected to listen to those adults you know you're not yeah, yeah. I mean cause you're going to the first or second grade and you you're young you don't even you haven't even fully developed into a I mean, so, I mean, when you go through something like that and you start questioning yourself as a person, who are you? What did that was, that was tough. Man. So that's when the whole... hung out more in high school. Yeah, but during that time, man, <laughs> I mean, during that time, man, I was just, I was just isolating. I was just, I was just, just isolating myself from people. And it's, uh, you know, it wasn't good for me. It, it wasn't good. Um, it wasn't good because um, 
like I just said, it wasn't until last year when I started to open up to people where I actually started to breathe. Because for 31 years, I couldn't breathe. So for someone, all right, maybe not middle school age, because they're probably not listening to this podcast yet, but like, say, someone in high school, you know, what is something that you would, like, advice that you would give them, like, going through a mental or physical illness, like, how, how, are, how are ways that they can talk about it, you know, and bring up this courage? Ooh, shut me with that question, damn. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we're we trying to sack this mental um, illness, right? Well, Let's nip it in the butt. Yeah, I think the best thing to do is... Surround yourself with people who you know that has your back. Yeah. Surround yourself with people who you know truly loves, care, accept you for you. No judgment. No nothing. I think and also never blame yourself. Never blame yourself. Of course, at times you want to, you ask yourself that, but for me, I, coming from my perspective, what I've been through, I was doing a lot of self-blaming for something that I didn't even, I didn't even blame myself for. So, um, yeah. And once you get through that, you should be fine. You should be fine. Does it, does it take time? Yeah. It does. It does take time, but that's where you have to dig deep and just remain strong because coming for me when you're going through okay you know you don't have the family home that you wanted you know you don't have the parents together like you wanted you got to go through mental challenges you got to go through learning disability the ADHD you're going through mm-hmm. that. you're going through the sexual abuse you start questioning okay what the fuck do I wait a minute I was pissed off about it but then it's like wait a minute what the hell it's something I posted. You started questioning yourself about every little thing. And you started questioning. You said, wait a minute. Is it right? Is it wrong? It's supposed to happen? It's like you started asking yourself these questions. And it's like, uh, keep spinning. Yeah. Keep spinning. You know, it's, may- it's like a dark cloud. Maybe you, you should have been asking other people those questions. Yeah, I should have, but... I mean, at the time, it was like, I was just so isolated at that time at that young of age. Who to talk to? Yeah, because my mom was going through her own issues at the time. And, of course, no male figure, no father figure there. So you have, you don't have no male figure there. Not all high schoolers are mature enough to handle and understand. Yeah, and then, of course, when you grow, when you go through that, and when questioning your own self yeah that's a burden yeah that's a burden that's a lot to handle man that's a lot of weight that's a burden then you're like okay wait a minute and you're going through high school again that not only high school but just i would say dating back to even the elementary school and middle school yeah that was (laughs) that wasn't i mean it wasn't as bad as high school but it was still a challenge because like then that leads to bullying and that makes you more angry you know and that's at an age where you still remember miss anderson my kindergarten teacher like <laughs> yeah that it, it you puts you those things. it puts you 
I became angry that young of age is like, okay, wait a minute. I'm getting bullied. I'm getting picked on. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. It's like, you become a very angry person. Yeah. A very cold-hearted person. You want to hear something I haven't told a lot of people? About bullying? When I was at uh, Midlothian, um, and I don't want to... I'm not gonna say any names or hate or anything, but I got bullied. I was on the cross country team and all, and uh, I remember being a you know really good runner, and uh, that's you know them giving me my nickname and all. And so I, you think the cross country team be your your team that's tight and everything, right? You know, and so I got to senior year or my eighth grade year, and I was about to go into um, my freshman year uh, in high school, and so I started running with some of the high school the high school team guys that I was running with all through when I was a freshman in you know uh, when I was in sixth grade seventh grade you know and uh this is back when AOL was a thing you remember AOL yeah yeah I remember it too and uh I remember uh these guys made a fake account pretended to be a a, a female you know and uh, just bullied me and harassed me and ended up like I guess spreading it all through the whole school and uh that was pretty difficult to deal with. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I was like, you know, I thought I was talking to a, a girl that, you know, I was like, I didn't know. Like, you know, I might have been wow. crushing on, like, hey, someone actually likes me for me, like, you know. And uh, they, like, played me for a fool and just, like, shared that with the whole school. And uh, I was so happy to get out of school and move to Prince Edward. And that's not why I moved, but, like, and I would have been fine. I think I would have been bounced back and overcome, but um, that's a mental challenge, right there. That's that's wow. I had no idea, man. No idea. Yeah. About that. That that had been brutal. That had been brutal. That had been brutal. It, it like it. When you're dealing with stuff like that, I mean, it's I tell you, bullying is a bitch. There's no other way to say it. There's no other way to sugarcoat it because, in the sad thing looking back, and also I'm ashamed by it, I became one. I think we all like. I became one. Like literally, I used to go and I never forget it. One day I was on, you know, we was having, you know, like, like you know, like recess and little kids was playing, and they had like the lunch boxes, you know, on the the basketball course they had to sit them down they was playing yeah that's okay you know what fuck this you're not having nothing so I took a lunchbox didn't know who the lunchbox belonged to I threw it in the air came to the ground shattered everywhere and looking back I was like why not I was just I became a real mean person I started bullying people because that would happen to that's, me yeah that's what you I was taking, I was going, I was taking people's, you know, snacks and you and yo-yos was, was a big thing. It was like, cause I couldn't, I'm already giving you a yo-yo. So I said, you know, I didn't need one. <laughs> so I went and I just found one. I was like, you know what? I just went and I just, I just did bully shit. And I'm not proud of it. No. Cause like I said, I was just doing what, what was, you know, like done to me and was it right? Learn behavior. Heck no. Heck no. So I mean, bullying, it is. It is, and like I said, very back to me, when 
you started questioning yourself and started to be like, wait a minute. Okay. What I've been through, does it make me this, make me that? And that was, that was brutal. That was brutal. Definitely brutal. Definitely brutal. And uh, it made me uh, hardened because when you're questioning your own self, like, wait a minute, this is making me, what, to, to straight, both, gay? What the fuck is this? And I held that in. I held that in. I held that in. And as I got older, so I never really went into direct detail for what I had to go through growing up. I was like, I kept it shielded. And that was like, the older you get, like, why well, keep that in? You're not helping yourself. You're hurting yourself. But you didn't know that. I didn't know that then. And now I could be saving life rather than hurting life. Yeah. So it puts me in that mind state of, you know what? It wasn't until last year when I started to open up to people and talk to people like yourself and other great friends. And it was funny because I was expecting the total opposite. And obviously what I respected was rejected, distant, screw you, we're not cool anymore. Yeah. Cut you out of my life, doing nothing to do with you. I had that same fear with everybody that I personally told to. And it was the complete opposite. And I was like, damn, I held all this in for this? Back in high school, too, man, that was a different time than it is now. Like, so many improvements have happened. <sighs> yeah. Back in our day? <laughs> Jeez. Don't back in, back yeah. in our day, man, whew, like I said, this generation, y'all have it easy. In a good way. In a good way. People such as, you know... There's a lot of Ryans out there that are taking on the world one topic at a time, and yeah, uh, that's 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 what it takes sometimes, you know. Like yeah. we're not doing it alone. Yeah, and it, I mean this generation, like I said, it's easy for them in a great way because like you can be more open. Back then, <laughs> you couldn't be open with nothing. So, is it? I gotta continue listening to the season one podcast. Um. But, uh, like, so how, how are you living with your life now? Hmm. Well, for me, when I started to open up last year to people about my past, right, and what I went through, and who it made me who I am now, it was like, it's like for 30 years I would walk around with like a bag of weights. Yeah. Couldn't breathe, couldn't do nothing. I was just so, you know, it's like you're paranoid. You're paranoid. You're scared. You're also tired because you've been carrying around those weights tired. for so long. Tired. I was like, I just woke up clean. I was like, you know what, man? It's like, you know what? I'm just, I can't hold this anymore. Beat. I can't. I was beat. I need someone else to take this weight. Thank you. I started to open up little by little. And uh, the more people I told, it was like their reaction. It's like the weight being lifted. One by one. 
lift it. Problem solved. Lift it. Check. And um, like you're strong now. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I guess because I even had to go to a, I even went to a therapist last year, so I talked to him about it. You ain't the only one. And he was like, you know what? Do you think you need to start opening up to people? Not to everybody, but people who you know you can confide. I was like, maybe I need to. And when I did, I like a light went off. I guess when you turn 30, that light went off. So I started opening up to people and people started saying, like, you know what? And the one thing people kept saying is stuck out. They said, we love and accept you for you. Don't change. Don't not change who you are. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? It was like, you always been the same person to us. Why change that now? Don't change that. Be who you are. Mm-hmm. I was Just like, talk to us. I was like, yeah, open up. It's like, we're not going to. And I think the word that I was looking for for so long in my life, accepted. Okay. Being accepted. Yeah. I had that fear I was not going to be accepted by anybody. And I carried that weight. Man, that's a that's a big word right and there for a lot of people. I carried that weight because it's like, uh, I guess for me it's like, okay. I don't know what my future holds 10, 20 years. I don't know. I don't know who the person is going to be. I don't know who it's going to be with. All that I can do is give whoever it is all of me. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, you'll figure it out too when you meet that person. But that's that's another podcast, you know, <laughs> uh, in itself. But I mean, for me, it was like when I started opening to people, and I, every response I got, I kept it in my phone. And I go back and look at it from time to time. It's like, and it makes me feel even more great. Did it take me four days to respond to yours? Nah, you responded pretty quickly. Oh, that was that's a first. Normally, like, I forget my phone. I'm... You responded pretty quickly. Like, I texted, yeah, people like yourself. It was so many people I could name that have been there that have been just complete opposite. And as soon as he started doing this, I've seen him probably more times than this year than I ever have in my whole entire life. So, it's like... you. You haven't changed um, as a person, but you know I'm growing. You, yeah, you're exploring. Yeah. You're doing. You're. you're I think. Your I life. think. I, I think people are starting to see more where I had shut for so long. Yeah. I didn't let anyone in. Yeah. I, I mean, because for me, for me, I didn't want to. I couldn't trust anybody. Uh huh. So I opened up the door that I couldn't. You don't know who who to let in. And as years went on, I started opening up this little by little by little. But last year, I started to really open up. And I think what sealed it for me was the talk I had with with my mom. That was... It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Really? Actually, I was ready for it. Well, you've been carrying that weight for so long. And I remember, like, I settled down. I was like, Mom, I think we had a long conversation. Cause we never had that talk. She was like, okay, I'm listening. And I said, Mom, I said, look. I said, growing up, I said, I had, you know, this, that going on. I said, I told her about what happened. And she was like, well, I 
I had no idea. I said, yeah. And I told her, I said, that really made me question who I am as a person. And she said, you know what? I accept you for you. She said, the number one thing is this. If you're happy, that's all that matters. Why worry about what someone else thinks? She said, makes you happy. That's how I live my life. She said, do what makes you happy. I said, wow. I said, that really hit me. And it made me think, like, you know what? I got to start living me. I got to start living my life. I can't sit there and worry about what other people go. I can't do that no more. I did that for 31 years. Well, pretty much almost 31 years. Man, I can't imagine, man. So, that talk was good. I think, uh, like, I don't know. I've never really experienced that aspect, you know, because... I don't know, I feel like I'm very outgoing um, person, extroverted person, and uh, I don't know, I've kind of always had that ADHD where I've always just been trying to just do what makes me happy, you know, And but I always try and care for people along the way, so like, yeah, do what makes me happy and continue to care for people along the way. Yeah, I think for me, like I said, when my mom said that, my mom says, look, I don't care. <laughs> she basically said, she said, she said, Brian, she said, you know what? I don't care who you with, what you do, as long as you're happy, safe, that's it. And I said, wow, I needed to hear that. Especially coming from your mom. Yeah. From your parents. Because you expect the opposite. You expect the number one thing. Rejection. From your parents. She was like, nah. She was like, I can breathe now. Wow. Wow. Didn't even think about that. No. Because she was like, because she asked my sister about it. And my sister was like, I don't know. I told my sister about it in October of last year. It was funny. I broke down in front of her. But I didn't with my mom. But I was ready to have to come. So I was ready for it. Yeah. And she said, you know what, Ryan? I don't care if you fucking... Straight, by whatever. I don't care. As long as you're happy. The people are going to love you for you. Yeah. People want to see you happy. And if people don't, then I'm meant to be in your life. I said, Wow. That hit me. So, even now, thinking about it, it does get. <sighs> Man. Damn. So, I think for me, now I can honestly say that I'm more stronger, more wiser, more, um, more open. And I'm at peace. Yeah, you're happy. I'm at peace. And I think people can say, "Yeah, you're you're totally different now." And I say, "Yeah, there's a reason behind it. There's a reason behind it. Happiness spreads, man." Yeah, there's a reason behind it. And after 30, 30 years, I've held that in for so long and couldn't be 
I hate to say it, but I couldn't be me. If that makes any sense. How can you be you when you're thinking of other things? And you're guarded. You're guarded. You're protected. You're angry. You don't know people. So for me, putting up that shield. That shield. So I can't say what my future is gonna be like. I can't say that. I don't can't say. Yeah, this is gonna happen. I, I can't say that. I can't. I don't know. Second mental illness coming to your school. <laughs> I don't know about that part, but. <laughs> But for me, I, but for me, I, I can't say what my future is. I can't say that, clan. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know who it's gonna be with. I just told you. Hey, it could be that. It I could be it. that. But as far as personally, <laughs> personally, I do not know what my future holds. Does it make me scared? Actually, it doesn't. It makes me more excited for it. Yeah. I'm more excited for it. Yeah, you can't keep living your life in fear, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, I know it's uh, Corona virus time, so everyone's kind of scared and all, but... Scared, panic, chaos. Can't live in fear. No, you can't live in fear. And that's what I think parts of the media want you to do. Can I say something? It might be a tangent, but, like, for everyone that's going through this Corona... Yeah. Um... It, you know, you're at your house, and like, I know some, I don't know, some people are probably excited for it. That's good. You know, some people are probably, you know, happy to be at home or just very depressed that they had to spend time at home or confined. You know, confined, you know, and like, the only thing I can say is, you know, you got to do what makes you happy, and you just gotta, like, don't, don't let that confinedness keep you in and just. Yeah. Go hang out with your family. Go talk to people. Go, you know, talk. Well, don't talk to you know. Talk to your family. Yeah, reach out. Reach out. Like I said, there's many technology ways you can oh. reach out to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, record FaceTime. your own podcast. Record your own podcast. Facetime people. Get, do things that. And for me, is when this whole epidemic passes over, don't stop. Don't just stop because it's it's over or you think it's over. Keep doing what you was doing while you was going why we're going through this now. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, these times right here really shows who your real friends are. Oh. I say that for a reason because when people actually text and check and see how you're actually doing mm-hmm. now, when you is a level of uncertainty going on, you're the ones that are the roots to your, you know, I say they're the roots to your tree. Oh, okay. Then the ones you know aren't going anywhere. The other ones, like branches on the tree, they change every season. Dang. So these times, so Those... these, so these times, you really go, for, you really find out who your real friends are. Yeah, real friends are the roots, and the roots go deep. Roots go deep, and that that makes. Your tree. That makes your tree. That keeps your tree growing. And fake friends are the branches that just fall off. Suck the water fall right off. out. The they're they're basically they're basically leaves that turn over and die. Man, speaking of branches, look at all those branches that gotta move when I cut grass. Yeah, see, like I said, I, that's why I think so. To anybody's out there, that's a. I know this coronavirus is not a joke. Like I said, we'll get through it. We'll bounce back. We can't let we can't panic too much because stress does kill. 
You have to just remain calm, have great faith, be smart, be smart, and it'll get better. It'll, it definitely will get better. It definitely will get better for sure. Just gotta remain prayed up and positive. Do good. Do good, definitely. Do good, definitely. That's how I see it. Cause these days, we definitely need it. You need more positive times than negative. There's a whole lot of negative going around as is. So why I keep spreading that? You gotta flip it. You gotta add positive, especially these times. You got to. Mm -hmm. So you definitely had to throw that in there because we know people's going through a lot. A lot that I can't even imagine. Especially people who lost jobs, has family to take care of, and they don't know when the next dollar is, is going to come from. So, definitely remain strong, remain positive people out there. Like I said, USA, we will, will bounce back. <laughs> America! We'll bounce back. We'll bounce back. But yeah. It's a beautiful world. But I think we should do a part two of this. This is just part one of the episode. Man, I think you got two episodes right there. <laughs> well, actually, like I said, hey... This holds up to the other 60 minutes, so we can always do a, a part two. This is just part one, people. We just talking about life. Keep just, on adding branches to just, your family. Keep it going. You're the reason why our roots go deep. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, but like I said, this is going to bring a conclusion to part one. We're going to do a part two. But I had to thank my guest, Cliff Mooney, for being a special guest. Like I said, this isn't the end. We're just ending this segment. Yeah, it's getting cold out here. So, you know, we'll be out here as long as we need to for you. Yeah, but I definitely appreciate you coming out. Hey, like be sure I said, to call man. the hotline. Yeah, hotline. Like I said, for us, you can check me out on all of available streaming apps, Spotify, Anchor. You can check out the Instagram page, Facebook page. Thanks for the support. Nice photo coming soon. Definitely. Definitely. We're kicking off season two, episode one with the bang. I can't thank my guy, best friend, one of my greatest friends I ever had, Clint, for being the, the first guest. I appreciate you, buddy. I love you. Thank you. Thanks, man, for having me. It's been a blast. I appreciate uh, it. Oh, whoa, whoa. Can't do that. Germs, yeah. Social distance. Got an elbow. Got an elbow. See, got an elbow. See, elbow. But once again, this is your boy and your host, Ron Smith. Thank you for checking out the episode of Sacramento Illness. Thank you. Be safe. Be strong. Be positive. Be safe in social space. Thank you. Social distancing. Do that. Preach that. Spread that. But no, all jokes aside, be safe, be positive, and take care. Thank you, thank you, thank you.